Crime Curious is a true crime podcast that takes an in-depth look into real cases. The content may be triggering or inappropriate for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to another episode of Crime Curious. I'm Charnel. And I'm Amber. And today we are going to finally put to rest the cringeworthy couple's case of Myra Hindley and Ian Brady. If you listened to part one of this episode, it was pretty horrendous. We discussed the four murders of four children that fell victim to Ian and Myra. I did want to cover a piece of Leslie and Downing's murder that I forgot to put into the first part. So I'm going to pick up with that in a second. And then Amber's going to take over for the fifth and final murder. And then we get into the good stuff, guys, where we hear all about their arrest, conviction, and their unpleasant time in jail overall. Yes. I'm not going to say that it gets better, but there's a little bit of There's some justice. Yeah, there's some justice. The piece that I wanted you all to know about Leslie and Downing is that after she was murdered, they did take her body to the moors to bury her, but it was actually during a snowstorm, and so they decided they couldn't uh, dig up the ground, so they brought her back to Grand's house where they had committed the murder, and then left her naked little body on a bed face down all night, according to Ian. Myra still had the problem of Gran, who was actually visiting her brother. So Myra drove all the way to her uncle's house. Essentially, the plan was she was going to go pick Grandma grandma up. Mm -hmm. Well, she gets there and she's like, well, the roads are really bad. So Grandma needs to spend the night here. But Myra herself was going back home. And of course, her uncle was like, well, wait, why aren't you just taking her? I mean, if you're driving back home anyway, why do I have to keep her here? You're yeah. going back home. And she's, oh, no, the roads are just too bad. And at the time, they thought it was really odd. Then, of course, hindsight always slaps you like a bitch. Mm-hmm. So they figured it out mm-hmm. after everything came to fruition here. That was her kind of cover-up was, oh, there's a snowstorm and I don't want Grant on the roads. But she drove but she all was... the way there to tell them that. Yeah. I'm glad they found that odd because it really it was is. odd. Yes, that is very odd. So that's just uh, just a little piece. And the only reason that I mentioned that is, is just because we're going to see later how much Myra tried to remove herself, especially from Leslie Ann Downing's murder. And she, in fact, was the one that um, was the biggest culprit mm-hmm. of that. Absolutely. So take it away, Amber. All right. So I want to start by saying that there's so much information on this case. We could have probably easily done Three or four parts. Oh, we could have made a mini series out of these assholes. Yep. So, and there's also a lot of, did you find conflicting information? I found a couple pieces where it was, you know, the same scenario, but they had different articles gave totally different information. So. Yes, I did. Which I do feel like is kind of the case for most of our cases. So I just go with the sources that I trust the most. But a lot of times I'll give the conflicting information so people can just have both of them and make of it what they will. Yep. Same here. So I I was going to say, if anybody looks into this case, you might find something different, but I tried my best to piece together Mm -hmm. And jump in if I if I miss any points, because I know you researched okay. this just as much as I did. Yeah. Um, I'm ready to get these motherfuckers out of my yeah, brain. I'm ready I can to, tell you to that. have them out of my mm-hmm. life. Yep. I'm done yep. with them. 
<laughs> okay, so I am going to just jump in talking about David Smith and the relationship that seemed to evolve between David and Ian, because it is a key piece of this final murder that I'm going to be discussing. Yeah. After the horrific murder of Leslie and Downey, Ian and Myra started to get bored, and I shudder when I say that. So there's indication that just simply murdering children wasn't doing it for them anymore. So they were toying with some various ideas of bringing someone else into the mix to assist. And Ian, who seems to always be trying to recruit people for his projects, apparently saw some potential in David Smith. We've previously mentioned that he is Myra's brother-in-law, and he is married to Maureen. Yep, Myra's younger sister. Yes. I feel like Ian's always trying to recruit people. Like, he's like a pyramid scheme salesman or something. I was just going to say, remember in his childhood how he used to make other kids fight each other? Yeah. This is what he likes to do. And their dog's name is Puppet. Yes. He, that's such a great foreshadowing, I feel like, of what he does. Always trying to control. He is, everyone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But it does not excuse Even being around somebody like that, it doesn't excuse you from being held accountable for what you do in that man's presence. Absolutely. I'm talking to you, Myra Hindley. And she can't hear me because she's rotting in hell, but still. Well, I'd like to think she did. Oh, she, yes. She did hear you. Okay, so as Charnel mentioned previously, David and Maureen lost their baby to bronchitis, which was so sad. But the couple started spending more time with Ian and Myra after that. Ian and Myra, as gracious as a couple duo that they were, would take David and Maureen out to the moors, and they would take uh, them to the grave sites. And this is unknowing to David and Maureen that they were standing on the graves of children that Myra and Ian had murdered. Correct. But this was some kind of sick thrill for Ian and Myra, and they fully knew what they were doing, obviously. So they would take the couple to the sites, and I don't know really what they did out there. I've always had the question of, what were they doing out at these sites? Drinking wine, taking photos, because Ian was a big photographer. He was really into photography, and at one point, he even makes a developing room in Myra's house, Mm -hmm. in Myra's grandma's house. And so they would just develop all these photos that they took and and relive, you know, everything as well. Gotcha. Because it's just such a vast... You know, it's not like there's stuff there to do. I'm, I'm not. It is literally enough. just land. Yeah, that's what that's what I was thinking. Like they are always out there. They're bringing people out there, yeah. despite the disgusting, you know, acts that they did. Right. I was like, what are they doing out there with the couples? Right. But, and how do you start that conversation? Let's go hang out on the moors. Yeah. Like it was and just. I think they just took <laughs> wine and cheese and crackers and blankets and hung out. And you know, yeah. in their minds, they're they're. It's ironic to them that these people have no idea they're on the graves of all their murder victims. Yes. Charnel touched on this also, but Ian starts to test the waters with David, proposing his business deals. And in the research that I found, Ian was originally going to test David by bringing him to the moors for one of his jobs and see if David would participate in that. So he wanted to murder somebody out at the moors and see his reaction? Or is this his thieving? My understanding is that... They wanted to recruit David, and instead of consulting him about it, they were just going to see if he was able to handle, handle it. it. Okay. So, so Ian planned on killing a child and probably raping the child, right? And doing that in front of David. And if okay. David 
responded appropriately, like he was on board, then great. But then if he's not, the gang. yeah, but he was just going to kill David. Then didn't initially. I think I said it in part one, but I think initially he was trying to get him to get on board with the robbing. Because uh, remember, Ian is a career thief. Yeah, since childhood, he has thieved and he gets off on breaking into people's houses, stealing things, selling mm-hmm. it for profit. Those that sort of stuff. And I think in the beginning, he was just trying to get him into that. And David's like, mm, no, that's really not mm-hmm. my thing. Well, but funny, funny you mention that because he. Okay. That is the approach that they decided to take is that, well, instead of starting out with the murder immediately at the moors, they would use the robbery approach to lure David in. Oh, yeah. Hook, line, and sinker. Yeah. All right. It's coming back to me. Oh, I hate these two. They've got to be the worst couple I think I've ever read about. Oh, absolutely. This case is just, it's consuming. I promise not all of our cases will be this disgusting. Yeah. Horrible We'll do a lighter one. I mean, it's hard to say that. (laughs) Someday. Yeah, someday we will do it. So instead of the moors, they decided that they would start out with the murder at the house. I don't know why that that made a difference. Like, they're still killing someone. Right. You know? It changed things up. They were bored. Yep. You're right. They were going to bring a victim back to the house and tell David that it was a robbery. So he was going to be... Involved with that. Poor David thinks that he is just about to be involved with robbery. Yes. And that's all. And okay. it, it, it sounds like David was trying to kind of get his life together. And because it was, you know, after the loss of the child around that time, it sounded like he was trying to kind of live a better life. So he wasn't crazy about the robbery idea either, but he was like, oh, well, you know, Ian is very, very manipulative. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure that he persuaded him Mm -hmm. in some way. He, like you said, just thought he was on board for this robbery that they were going to jump someone. Right. Ian came up with a plan that they would pick up someone for in the article quoted gay sex and bring him back to the home. And that's where David would come and assist with the robbery. Okay. On the evening of October 6th, 1965, Myra Henley drove Ian Brady to Manchester Central Railway Station, where she waited outside the car. And during this time, Ian left the vehicle and was scoping out the area for a victim. And again, this is a place where I found some various information because because there was reports that they met the victim in a gay bar. And there was reports that they were speculating or scoping out the area. Yes, so it's like, I'm not sure which yep. one. Now that you say that, I did read different mm-hmm. accounts of that as well. Yeah. And I and I found articles saying they were together when they found the victim and then they were separate. Yep. So I don't know which one's true, but needless to say, they were, they were scoping the area for a victim. Edward Evans was 17 years old. He mm-hmm. was an apprentice engineer. And that night he was actually supposed to be attending a game with a friend. But unfortunately, his, fa- his friend had bailed on him. Mm-hmm. So he was solo that night. I think trying to find something else to do. And Ian approached him asking if he wanted to come back to the house for some drinks. And Edward agreed. We don't know if he offered sex at that time. I'm not really sure. Right. Right. um, So he. Either way, he wasn't agreeing to go back and get murdered. Correct. (laughs) But either way, Edward agreed. So he actually got into the vehicle with Myra and Ian. Oddly, Ian introduced Myra as a sister. I remember Um, that. Well, I shouldn't say oddly because if they, if they were doing the, the gay approach, I mean, I don't know if that was part of it. I'm not really sure. The house was grandma's house. So they drove back to grandma's home and they proceeded to chill out with a bottle of wine. And as they are drinking their wine, Ian cues Myra to go get David. She was instructed. Do you know what cue he had? Because remember, they always had that secret language like eyebrow raise, 
whistling a certain song, all the stuff, did it say? You know, I didn't find a cue for that. There's cues for David, but I didn't find... What it was. Right. I don't know if there was like a gesture or something like that that they used. Well, they premeditated everything right down to the queue right before they would actually commit the Mm -hmm. murder. I mean, this was the biggest premeditation, I think, of any case that I've found so far. Yeah, I think it's safe to assume there was probably something. Yeah. But I, I didn't find that piece. So she was instructed to go pick him up, wait a bit, and then come back. It is speculated that Ian engaged in sexual activity with Edward while Myra was gone, but I'm not positive on that 100%. It would not surprise me at all. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, consensually, because Edward was homosexual. Mm-hmm. So he thought he was going back, you know, for that. And remember, at this time, you guys, it wasn't legal, which is just disgusting yeah. to me that the law has anything to say about who we love. It was very hush-hush, and that is, from what I understand, how Ian convinces David to be a part of this, is he's like, we're going to rob a gay man and lure him back to the house under the assumption that we're going to engage in sex and then we'll rob him and he can't tell anyone because he couldn't tell mm-hmm. the police the truth of why he was at my home. Yep. Which is just horrible. So Myra, she goes to retrieve David. And again, he's still thinking that they're doing the robbery. Right. So David They was- really have two heists going at yeah. once. Oh, absolutely. And David was told to wait for the signal which for for him, it was a flashlight. I don't know okay. if it was like blinking, mm-hmm. but he was to wait to see the flashlight, I'm assuming through the window. Right. And then come to the door. And probably three times because that was their signal for all the other stuff. Three flashes. Okay. Yep. So it probably was. Uh, David knocked on the door and Ian answered. Ian asked David if he was there for the miniature wine bottles. I don't know if that was like the cue that the... Okay, we're about to do this robbery. I want to know why wine bottles come miniature, because that just seems like a waste. (laughs) Who needs a mini wine bottle? Give me a whole big bottle. That's actually a really good point. Why waste your time? Yes. The hell am I going to do with a miniature wine bottle? That's cute. That was a bad cue on their part to use. (laughs) Ian leaves David in the kitchen, telling him he'll be right back with the wine. David is not waiting long when things take a very quick, horrific turn. Trigger warning. Yes. David reports hearing blood-curdling, high-pitched screams, and that Myra at the time was like, David, go help him. Like, Ian was the one that was in trouble So David walks into the room, and at this point, David has no clue what the hell is going on. Right. He walks into the other room to see Ian standing over Edward, and this is the statement that David made about the scene. And I I don't know if this was when he testified or just a statement to the police, but this was his quote from what he witnessed. I waited about a minute or two, then suddenly I heard a, a hell of a scream. It sounded like a woman, really high pitched, then the screams carried on one after another, really loud. Then I heard Myra shout, Dave, help him, very loud. When I ran in, I just stood inside the living room, and I saw a young lad. He was lying with his head and shoulders on the couch, and his legs were on the floor. He was facing upwards. Ian was standing over him, facing him, with his legs on either side of the young lad's legs. The lad was still screaming. Ian had a hatchet in his hand, He was holding it above his head, and he hit the lad on the left side of his head with the hatchet. I heard the blow. It was terrible. A very hard blow. It sounded horrible. David witnessed this entire murder, 14 swings with a hatchet, 
Oh, shit. Yeah, this this murder was absolutely brutal. David was a bit bigger and stronger than the, the other victims that they had had, which were younger sure, children. because he was, he was the oldest. He was 17. Yeah, so it was more of a struggle, and it took more effort to kill him. Ian ended up eventually strangling him with an electrical cord mm. to finish, right. you know, finish the job. Put him out of his misery. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, 14 swings with a hatchet. My and, God. Yeah. Afterwards, Ian tells David, well, we have to move the body and, and you have to help. Yeah, I like how Ian's like, oh, yeah, you're implicated now. You have to help me. And and as we were saying, this is how Ian was. So I think it was very much planned that this is how they would bring him in. Yeah. Then he would feel trapped. Trap you. Yeah. He was a part of it now, so he had to help. Yep. So David does assist because he feared for his own life, and rightfully oh, so. Oh, 100%. He, brought, he still has the hatchet right there. What stops him if he says, no, I'm not going to help you? What stops him from turning that hatchet onto him? I honestly, I don't know what I would do in that situation. Oh my I can't even believe he held it together to assist. Well, do you um, feel like, I mean, he was probably in shock. Absolutely. I mean, you just go yes. <laughs> with the adrenaline at that point and not even comprehending what is really And let's not forget that doing. David is only 17. Right. I had to remind myself of that, too, because it's another piece to me. He's a teenager. Yes. He's he a was, child. Yep. He was as old as the victim, mm-hmm. and he is witnessing this. I can't imagine no. seeing all of that happening. No. And unexpected. Right. And I know David got a lot of criticism and I know you'll get into it, but I just challenge people to look in deep into themselves when you were 17 years old. Oh my gosh. And didn't have a clue about life. What would you do if you just saw somebody brutally murdered with an axe that was your age? Yeah. I mean, and the perpetrators are right there. Yeah, you. I, I'd I, have a hard time criticizing David's actions when I have no idea what I would do in that moment. Absolutely, it's so hard to say. I mean, he could have tried to run, but they they would have killed him. They had already planned on killing him if he didn't respond the way they wanted to. Correct. They, yeah. the way they wanted him to. And, so, and he's probably assessing how Myra's taking all of this in too, and knowing like, okay, if I try to overpower Ian, what stops Myra from taking that hatchet? And mm-hmm. it's two against one. Yeah, At absolutely. So it's it's an understatement to say that David was horrified after this. And so he remained cool and assisting and he was able to keep his composure. But when he left, this man was an absolute wreck. Yeah. Right. And so. I read that he walked he was walking down the street because I believe they had they had picked him up. So he's walking down the street and as soon as he was out of sight, he sprinted home. Yes. He vomited. I was just going to say, I read that he was vomiting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so he was absolutely traumatized. Yeah. He got home and he immediately told Maureen what had happened. Mm-hmm. They immediately decided that they were going to notify the police right away. Good on them, like immediately just being like, we've got to go to the police with this. Yes. There was no question. Yeah. Um, that says a lot right there and- about whether or not he wanted to be involved with this. Yes. You know. I do. I do feel like that's a really key piece to this. Um, David actually stated the following about turning these uh, two in. He said, I wanted to do the right thing. It was the only thing to do. I knew the second that I walked out the door. So according to him, he had no doubt as soon as he was out of that house, he was right telling Again, the police. Not someone who was in on it all along. And this is super important because if he had not acted as quickly as he did, they may not have found what they needed. I think his, yeah, 
his life would have been very different. Mm-hmm. Praise baby Jesus. Right. Or any higher power yes. that you choose that he actually did. It was the, the morning after yep. the, the murder. So he went right to the police. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the last murder that Ian Brady and Myra Hindley ever fucking ever got, away with. got away with. That we know of. I'm going to throw out there that I wouldn't be surprised if they had more victims but just never confessed to them. Because they had very long cooling off periods. S, that is actually the definition of a serial killer. They have cooling off periods. Those waiting periods, yes. But theirs were about six months along. One was four, another one was six. Mm -hmm. With their timelines of when all the other kids went missing, but I wouldn't be surprised if there was people in between. I wouldn't Or even people that the other didn't necessarily know about. I wouldn't be surprised if Ian killed on his own without Myra as well. I agree with you because he was such a predator and there is a little a little snippet that oh, okay. I did find about another person that she didn't die, but oh. there's indication that something had happened. I can't wait. The police took David's story very seriously. Just to recap, when Maureen and David went to the police and they were terrified, they were so scared oh, yeah. that Ian and Myra were going to find out yeah. somehow. And then come after them. Yep. So they were armed. They they had like a knife and there was something else that they, they took with them because they were so scared that that Myra and Ian were going to find out. I think I would have ran, but police told the police where I was going. Oh, absolutely. And then, like, don't tell. You know what I mean? Uh, that is terrifying. And that's what stops a lot of people from telling things that they know during crimes like this. Because this is pretty small town. Yeah. And so I'm sure that they weren't all that far they'll, away. They will know immediately who turned them in. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so they were terrified. They went to assess the situation right away, which, again, thank God, because they um, may not have found the body. Okay. They may not have found the right. what they were looking right. for. David had warned the police that there were weapons and guns in the home. So the police decided to take a little bit more of a sneaky approach to um, getting into the mm-hmm. house or figuring out how to get into the house. And I found different information about how they they did approach this. But one piece indicated that the police surrounded the house quietly first and they were watching for a little bit, but nobody was coming out. There was no activity. So they had to figure out a way that they could actually get up to the door. They knew if they made a big scene that... Myra and Ian were going to be guns ablazing. Right. And and I believe they had planned that if they ever got caught. Oh, okay. That they would go out that way. I see. Wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Not at all. Because that's just the kind of people they are. They decided that they were going to take a different approach of um, one of the officers. He dressed like a bread man to go up to the door. <laughs> And he's like, hey, here's your rolls. <laughs> Remember the days of milkman and bread man? That is the cutest. Yes. So he, um, I believe the officer saw a bread man and had the idea. And so he was like, hey, can I get your uniform? And he put the uniform on and went up to the door. That is so badass. Yeah. My husband does all the grocery shopping. And now I want to ask him if he'll just bring in the groceries in a bread man costume. You know what? I That's the <laughs> it's least gotta he be could on do. An, right. It's got to be on Amazon, right? I'll find him one. You know, I envisioned, like, you know, on Terminator 2 where he's got the the roses and he pulls the gun out. Yes! Like, I pictured that with the bread, like Look the rolls. you bringing in a Terminator 2 you know, reference. And I don't know how that this all played out. friends. <laughs> but I'd like to think it went that yeah, way. Yeah, it did. It was something very awesome like that. Yeah, so he's but like... with bread. Yes. <laughs> Which carbs? I love it. Instead of roses. Tell me it was a nice baguette. Rolls, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> a crisp baguette. Oh, so they do answer the door for the bread man. And who doesn't answer right? the door for the who, bread man? Who wouldn't? He's got my carbs, damn it. <laughs> and then he's like, oops, you know, it's the police. Right. Shit. Right. Duped again. <laughs> Joke's on you. He's trying to get my French bread, people. <laughs> so, of course, Myra and Ian were resistant at first. And I think it was a matter of, we're going to get into your house. Mm-hmm. Like, So they did comply with the search. Um, after a little bit back and forth. And so they, they did begin searching the home and the police were able to find the body of Edward Evans. He was still in the home. He mm. was he was locked in the other room. Ian put up a little bit of a fight for the to give the key over. They mm-hmm. were saying, Oh, it's at you know, it's at the office and um but then Convenient. eventually he was like, Yeah, yeah, right. here you go. Doesn't surprise me that it was Ian yeah. that was like Myra yeah. probably would have fought Absolutely to the bitter tried end. to lie and manipulate like she has everything else. I, I feel like Ian at first Tried to lie to get out of it, but then eventually he's like, yeah. He did. Screw it. I, I did it. In the stuff that I read, it was like very initially in prison, he tried to lie. But then as Myra got so ridiculous with her trying to separate herself and just blame so Ian. Ridiculous. And he got some mental health treatment. He was like, yeah, this is who we are. This is what happened. Mm-hmm. And he was. He ended up owning it. And yeah. eventually later on was like, yeah, life in prison was per- perfectly acceptable for what, what we did. What we did. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. And he knew that he shouldn't be let out. So after finding Edward's body, Ian was arrested immediately on scene. Um, however, Myra was not. Yeah. She was questioned, but allowed to go home <sighs> at the time because they didn't believe she was originally involved and as you will see she's a damsel in distress mm -hmm. yep many parts of this case myra takes on the victim role very well so well that she even has followers she has supporters she does and if you are a myra hindley supporter and listening to this just go fuck yourself because no but to the fans thank you (laughs) (laughs) but to the genuine fans that are listening right now we thank you no i just i couldn't believe that because if you truly were to research this case there's no way you Mm -hmm. could get to the end of this information and believe i'm sorry she was a victim just read the transcripts of the 16 minute audio of leslie ann downing's last minutes of life and figure out who does more of the talking Mm -hmm. myra or ian because it's myra and actually her mom even says that at one point. Unfortunately, Leslie's parents had to listen to identify Leslie's Leslie. She, in a statement to Myra during all of their back and forth, and we'll get into that, uh, says, it was you that I heard Mm -hmm. on that audio. Yeah. Yeah. Leslie Ann Downey's mom is... Oh, she was a badass. um, Amazing. Oh my gosh. Yes. What a mama bear. Mm -hmm. Love her. Mm -hmm. There's part of me that just wishes she could have been alone with... Oh, with yeah. Myra. She would have needed exactly 15 seconds. Mm-hmm. And Just she even says, said that if if Myra ever got out, that it wouldn't matter. She would be dead. She mm-hmm. would have 100% killed her and been very happy to do so and spend the rest of her life in prison. Yep. And I love this part, too. She, I read an article. She actually, like... She committed to haunting Myra after she died, yeah. too. Yes, yes. That's something I would say. Me, too. It's <laughs> such a badass move, I will too. haunt your ass yes. for the rest of eternity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you are not shaking me, bitch. Yep. Yeah. I love it. I loved that when I when I saw that. So David was pretty insistent to the police that he felt like there could be other children involved Ooh. with these mm-hmm. two. Mm-hmm. Um, he shares with the police that Ian had talked about killing children and burying them at the moors. He always took Ian's statements as a joke. 
because they would be talking or they were drinking and Mm -hmm. he'd say like, yeah, I killed children. I'm not going to lie. If one of my friends said that or family members even joking, I'd probably be really concerned. Um, And maybe he was, but. I mean, you and I have a dark sense of humor and sometimes we say things (laughs) when Amber bought her house. I may have made an accidental joke about how it was a perfect basement for bodies, but I was totally joking. But it was a joke. It was a joke. It is a great basement. It's such a good basement. Yeah. It is. So, so excited about my basement. But but she won't be hiding bodies in there. And we, and I. (laughs) Yes, for the record. No bodies. Other people were definitely around, and I got to thinking, oh my god, they don't know that we do a true crime podcast. and we're living and breathing true crime. (laughs) Yes. So I think they were probably like, wow. (laughs) Right. Nervous laughing. That's that's so funny. (laughs) Let's get this done. Right. (laughs) So, you know, I'm thinking that those comments came to mind because, number one, they probably were concerning at the time. And then after this murder, he's like, oh, wait. Okay. He wasn't joking. This this MF is not, yep, not joking. Sense. It's so cute because Amber doesn't like to swear very often. She's got to get, like, really riled up to do it. So she'll say things like MF, whereas I'm just like, that motherfucker. You SOB. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Mom. I know my, my mom does not like my potty mouth. And at one point she was like, you got to teach me how to listen to your podcast. I was like, uh, you might not like it, Mom. <laughs> might not be for you. So this MF. Yes. <laughs> David was insistent that, you know, I really think that there could be yeah. more victims in this. Yeah. As they're they're still investigating this case, they do find a detailed plan, as there was always one, yes. to carry out Edward's murder. And so after they found that, it obviously included Myra. They're like, bitch, uh-huh. your time has Get come. Get back here. Yeah. Come on back to the station. Yep. The police were listening to David. And I also found some bits of information, what we were talking about before. The twelve. There was a 12-year-old girl that had surfaced through all of this that had indicated she had some contact oh, with them. Right. Yes, mm-hmm. I'm remembering this now. She was, she survived. Yeah. But there was, there was some indication, and I believe others had witnessed that Myra and Ian had a really inappropriate... And I think there were pictures. There, Yeah, there could have okay. been some pictures. Yep. And they took her out to the moors. Yes. So it was implied that they had sexually abused her, yes. but they didn't kill her. Which is exactly going back to what you said, that there's probably many other victims. Yep. And they probably just didn't murder all of them. Right. Um, there was also other unsolved cases around that time. Mm-hmm. So they started linking a lot of cases to them. The ones that we know of are the only ones that ever that they were got confirmed. charged with. Right. Exactly. But it just makes you wonder. In this time frame, the police also found pictures of Myra with her dog, Puppet, um, at the Moors, which we've kind of talked about. Yeah. Poor puppet. I know. Um, the investigation's continuing, and the the police now have the pictures. They have the 12-year-old girl saying she'd been out at the moors. They have mm-hmm. David saying Ian has talked about killing children. So they decide it's time to start digging. Right. So they start digging for and looking for these missing and bodies. And they used those pictures to try to... to am I, I'm sorry, am I jumping ahead in no, your notes? No, no. That's exactly what I was going to okay. touch on, is yeah. they use the pictures. Touch it. Touch it, girl. Um, this is a part I don't want to touch, though, because it's sad. Okay. Um, so they did use the pictures, and they actually tried to use the dog as... Um, to, to indicate time frames. They actually ended up putting the dog under anesthesia because I believe they were going to try to use his teeth in some way to determine how old he was oh. so they could tell when the pictures yeah. were taken. 
And poor Puppet died. Oh, Puppet. I so because of these a-holes. Oh, fuck faces. This poor dog died too. Ooh. Even though it was their dog, they still Which actually loved probably the dog. really upset Ian because he liked animals way better than he did mm-hmm. people. Oh, I'm so sorry, Puppet, with your creepy name. And I know. He had a horrible name and, and he... horrible masters. He died because of his masters. masters. Is that the right word? Is that a puppet master? Oh, oh I'm sorry. It's his creepy. humans. His yeah. humans. <laughs> Shudders. But I'd hate to call them humans. They're fucking monsters. I know. So poor puppet just had a bad lot in life, honestly. He he did. That part actually made me sad. I'm like, yeah, that makes me sad oh, too. Poor puppet. He's right up there with the kids as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. So Myra was reported to scream with devastation when she found out about puppet. She was absolutely just Oh, fuck off, Myra. You can take people's babies from them, but the police can't put your dog down. This was actually, from what the police said, the only emotion they saw from her. Of course. The most emotion. Yeah. She called them murderers, and she she was just... that's rich. It would be like somebody losing a child. I don't think I've ever said that in my life, but that was the perfect place to do it. I like it. That's real rich. (laughs) Um, With with all the connections, as I said, the the police start digging, because at this point, they only know for certain about Edward Evans, 100%. Right. Right. And this is where they did find the the body of Leslie and Downey. Um, she was buried naked with her clothing at her feet. Mm-hmm. This was part, I, I wasn't clear on the time frame. I, I do think there was a little gap in time, but they did find uh, Jonathan Kilbride yes. second. Yep. So in the process of this whole investigation. So they have the bodies of David, John Kilbride, and Leslie Ann Down- Downing. Edward. Ed- Oh, I'm Edward. sorry. What did I say? You said David. Sorry. He's still alive <laughs> at this point. <laughs> David is still alive. Sorry <laughs> yes. about that. Edward, Leslie Ann Downing, and John Kilbride. Correct. Okay. So they have these three. Yep. This is another piece, again, I I believe now that I've read everything, it could have taken place a little bit more at the beginning of them getting busted, but they did find um, a ticket when, when investigating for uh, what they refer to as a, a left luggage center. Yes. Um, so they find the location of this place and they, they go to claim the luggage uh-huh. back. Uh-huh. Remember from part one, mm-hmm. part of their careful plan is they would put stuff in luggage that had to be kept at the Manchester Station lost luggage area. And you literally almost read my next. Oh. I said, remember Char- Charnel had previously <laughs> mentioned that Ian was adamant that they they kept all of their sick photos and all of their mm-hmm. stuff in that luggage. They found the suitcase. Mm-hmm. They found the horrific, ungodly, speakable, I don't even know if that makes sense, but the, the recording of Leslie. Uh-huh. Um, the recording that at the time Myra planned on them never finding. So when she is building her case of I was never around for it and their police mm-hmm. are initially believing her until they listen to the recording. Yeah. And and so. Fuck off, fuck face. God, I hate them so much. That's where we'll start talking about the trial because that, that comes into play. Mm-hmm. That that recording is, is a key piece. Yep. The trial lasted 14 days. I'm surprised it didn't last I was longer. just going to really say am. that too with as much detail. Information I mean, really, yeah, that they had to go over. That's what I meant. Information. Thank you. I couldn't. My brain was I've not got here. Back. Ian testified for over eight hours and Myra for six. I hate that they even got the attention because in some sick way they probably 
Oh, you know Aunt Ian for sure did. For well, sure. honestly, so did Myra. I mean, she was showboaty. She was just as narcissistic as Ian. Mm-hmm. She got followers out of all of this. So I know. Oh, clearly, so people sick. were responding to it. Did you know that some of her followers actually defaced Leslie Ann Downing's <gasps> grave? I actually saw that after I had put my notes together. Oh, uh, to that I say, I hope that there's a special place in hell for you. Defacing the grave of a 10-year-old little girl that was brutally murdered? Regardless if you are supporting her or not, which if you are, shame on you. For but, sure. Find someone to throat punch you. But irregardless. Yes. Um, it is the grave, the grave of a 10-year-old girl. Whether she was involved or not, how right. could you do that? Yes. It's, uh, it's so gross. This case was a pretty big deal at the time. Absolutely. It, it really shocked. Well, they still are the, deemed mm-hmm. the most evil woman in all of Britain and the most hated man in all of Britain. And this is why. Mm-hmm. And we're bringing them to America where they can be the most evil and the most hated here, too, even though their their crimes weren't here. As they should. So I watched this documentary and they were they were talking about this was the first time in British history that a woman was involved with the yes. killings, rape, and torture of children. Yep. Ever. People were losing their shit over this case. Yep. They were so mad. They wanted blood. When this trial took place, Ian and Myra had to be put in glass in, in the mm-hmm. um, courtroom to protect them. Mm-hmm. Which sounds really ridiculous. Right. Why? <laughs> they had we, to protect I know. Them. I hate that we protect murderers mm-hmm. but people wanted to kill just these to get two. them th- right rightfully so there are there's dead and i still just want them dead again it's mm-hmm. bad it's a oh, conflicting feeling i know <laughs> i think we talked about that like i wish that they could be alive again to die so we could experience the joy <laughs> you did say so that. horrible but you did say that someday we've got to read our listeners our text messages because sometimes oh, yeah. they're really funny but they yeah, really are i do feel a little bit of confliction sometimes when i'm like man i'm glad that person's dead because they committed all these horrible crimes then i'm like okay that's bad because you're wishing somebody yeah it's like dead. i don't want to feel that way i don't I want that hatred it's in myself icky. yeah but oh i just there's got to be karma somewhere mm-hmm. you know and you you know the kid cases for me they're just so hard me too i know going back to that recording Les- leslie's mother was was forced to listen to that at 16 minutes of just unspeakable and you can hear her dying on the because they strangled her yes and there are certain sounds that go along with strangling and you could hear them on the recording yes and her mother had to hear that she's pleading to god she's pleading for her life and at one point she even starts trying to appeal to the human side she was assuming that there was a human side to ian and myra and she starts calling them mommy and daddy and that just broke my soul Mm -hmm. apart reading that i think we talked about this part too where you know she's 10 and -hmm. she's trying whatever she can and and she's like you know my mom's gonna kill me Mm -hmm. i mean it Mm -hmm. i need to get home i gotta go home yeah just trying to get them to you know she's trying to reason with them mm -hmm. it's so heartbreaking to me leslie's stepfather actually had volunteered to listen to this and take Mm -hmm. that the burden burden Mm -hmm. of hearing that but because he wasn't a blood relative he couldn't and so I just, you know, my heart breaks that this this mother had to live with that the rest of her life after hearing it. And it destroyed her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she ended how- up in a mental um, hospital. And I believe the stepdad made a statement that was saying my, it was Myra that ruined his wife because she could not understand woman to woman mm-hmm. how another woman could do that to a child. Yeah, I get that. 
I do. Going back to what we were talking about before, this was a key piece in convicting them. It was. You know, Thank God they found that. Yes. Leslie's mom being able to say, yes, this is my daughter, mm-hmm. and, and hearing Ian and Myra on that recording, I mean, it was a key piece. That and it, now Myra's arrested. Yes. All because they found that luggage ticket stub. Yep. As horrific as this situation is, mm-hmm. it did it was pivotal. help mm-hmm. to get them. So when Ian was presented with the tape, he did admit to taking photographs of Leslie, but he said that, that she was brought there by two men, and he photographed her, and then she left with with two men, um, <laughs> which, yeah, liar. Mm-hmm. He actually later messed up in the trial when he was testifying. He started using statements that implied, like, the end of her life or when we were finished. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so then he later, I think he he realized, like, oh, shit, right. I've said too much. So he tried to retract those later. I hate it when I do that. Right. <laughs> oh, boy, I've said too much. He tried to say, like, oh, I didn't, I didn't say that. And I love this part. He he actually, his attorney was saying, like, no, he didn't, you know, he didn't say that. And a jury member stood up and was like, bitch, yes, you did. <laughs> yes, you did. You did say I that. was here. So that did not work out in his favor. Oh, sorry. You couldn't woo the jury, Ian, like you have everybody else in your life. Mm-hmm. It's actually noted that the jury noticed his, his they demeanor. They could see through his bullshit. Yeah. They saw him as, as the asshole that he was, mm-hmm. basically. In court, Ian Brady admitted to striking Edward Evans with an axe, but not to killing him. He pointed out that Edward's death was by strangulation, and I feel like this is just his classic sick humor that he had, mm-hmm. pointing out that, you know, oh, well... He wasn't killed right. by the axe. It the was... axe didn't kill him. Mm-hmm. I didn't commit murder. I just assaulted a man with an axe. So was he trying to say strangled him? Um, you know, it didn't really indicate. I, wonder, I think it was David. I think he was trying to claim that it was David that took his life. Thank you. Yes, he was. He okay. Because they had planned to pin this on David. Right, right. Um, that was which their I whole thing all along. Yes, thank you. I hadn't put that piece in here. Uh, when they did get caught, they planned to pin this on David. Mm-hmm. And... Let's also mention that David went through oh hell, absolute hell through this because he, he was... It was basically like a trial by media for him. They had convinced half the population that David was involved in all of the murders all along, mm-hmm. and he was not. So, yeah, his experience with this was so conflicted because he... I mean, he essentially is the one that stopped these murders from happening and, right. and got these two caught. Right. But then these two fuck faces are trying to take the heat off themselves and blaming David. And it's hard for the public to mm-hmm. know. So he's went through the trauma of witnessing this murder. Right. He turned them in and now people hate him. Yep. He and Maureen both. Yep. Because I believe they thought she yes. could have been involved too. Which so, I think that Myra enjoyed uh, Maureen's fall from grace. Because I think she was always jealous of her. But that's just me. I agree. I do. But David and Maureen were attacked. They were harassed. They were threatened. It was not good for them after, right. after Actually, all Actually, if I recall, though, Maureen ends up being a real shitbag. Like, her and David get a divorce, and then she loses. She has kids, and she loses them because she was a piece yeah, of shit mom. neglects the children. Yeah. Yeah, she's... So, so we, she can fuck off, too. We don't really feel as bad for, for right. her. Myra played the victim during the trial. Mm-hmm. She's just a, an abused and battered woman. And I do think that a lot of her supporters probably came from women who were legitimately from abusive relationships mm-hmm. and know what it's like to be around a narcissistic controlling man. But they, and something else that you really do need to know about Myra, and you can see it throughout her prison stuff, is that she is very charming as well. She 
She, she is. She and charms the pants out of people. And there's many people that people. fall for that charm. Yep. Or they, and, and I think that's where her supporters end up coming in. It's just like, oh, yes, she is a victim of domestic violence. And she was just doing what he wanted her to do out of fear. But mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I don't believe it for a second. And she doesn't maintain herself anyway. She. Oh, yeah. Her true colors yep. come out, you know, in various places yes. with this case. Well, and that, that, uh, horrific uh audio mm-hmm. tells an entirely different story and not only that but then ian even makes a really profound statement later about how they did not have a relationship of master and slave mm-hmm. okay he explained each death like it was a marriage ceremony bonding them ever closer together because they were both just as into it as the, as other, the one other one was and i really do believe Oh, Ian, I absolutely that, believe that. At that point in time in his life when he was making those statements, he was being very honest about how, no, I shouldn't be out of here. I know what I did and what society thinks of what I did and who I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, he And the difference between these two is, you know, once they go to prison, she continues to lie. Yep. And to deny uh, more the, more and so manipulate the to get her way. Mm-hmm. He comes to terms and he's like, yeah, yes. I did this mm-hmm. and this is where I should be. Yep. I'm not condoning, you know, him at all. But right. he at least stays true to himself, stays true mm-hmm. and, and was was honest. Um, he even describes her at one point in time as a chameleon. Like Myra will be whatever she needs to be to get her needs met. And it's 100 percent true. I don't know if you cover like how she starts having an affair with a guard in prison. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, we've, we've got a little tidbit. Mm-hmm. It's that. juicy. It's juicy. So there was a lot of media coverage Mm -hmm. with this case, and I did find an article which really just floored me. Um, The article indicates that Ian wrote letters to his mom, revealing that he was playing hangman and had to stifle giggles during the trial. (gasps) And there's a quote from him, from from the letter to mom, saying, The so-called witnesses were so ludicrous that we played norts and crosses at another game, Called Hangman. God, I do remember reading that they were laughing and smiling mm-hmm. at each other during the trial mm-hmm. and humming their little songs to each other. Yep. He, he goes on to say that he knew he'd be getting a life sentence mm-hmm. and he's an excellent spirit. I'm also not sure other than just they had to be protected, but how the hell they got to sit at the trial together. Because they were tried together. But that's but, yeah, why. So they were that, holding That hands. was one of Myra's claims later. One of her appeals later, she didn't think that she should have been tried with Ian. Yes. No, yeah, you absolutely should have. You committed these crimes together, premeditated them together. Yes. Yes. They she did try to play them. that mm-hmm. game with... You know, oh, I needed a separate trial. But at yep. the time, they were holding hands. They were yes. giggling. They were yep. snickering. And I can't imagine as a parent oh, that had no. to testify at that trial what yep. it felt like to see and those And just two. sit there and watch them enjoying all of it and essentially mm-hmm. laughing at the murder of their children. Mm-hmm. Comforting each other. It's disgusting. Yeah, that just, it really sickened me to read that article. <laughs> okay. On May 6th, after deliberating for only a little over two hours, the jury found Ian Brady guilty of the three murders of Edward Evans, Leslie Ann Downey, and Jonathan Kilbride. Myra Hindley was found guilty for the murders of Downey and Evans. Apparently, they just couldn't link her. There wasn't enough there wasn't to enough link evidence. her mm-hmm. to Jonathan Kilbride. And at this point in time, Ian was actually trying to protect her and say that she didn't have anything to do with it. 
Yes. He was yep. going down at of, that I'll point. Take the rap and because, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, they're still so in love. The coin flips on that one. It does. It, it does. And we'll get to that. During the time the death penalty was actually just abolished mm-hmm. about four weeks before mm-hmm. this trial, the only sentence that they could get was life yep. in prison. Ian Brady was sentenced to three concurrent life sentences, and Myra Henley was sentenced to two. Ian Brady was taken to H.M. Prison Durham. I hope I'm saying that right. And Myra Henley was taken to H.M. Prison Holloway. So in closing, the judge described the murders as truly horrible. He said that they should spend a very long time in prison without the possibility of parole. I wish he would have drove it home a little more. Me too. Like, like a very so long time. More. Yeah. No, uh-uh. sir. No. They should spend 10,000 lifetimes yeah, in that's prison. That's not harsh enough. Like, I wish there was the technology to keep you alive to keep you in prison even longer than a normal natural life. Yes. I should have been a judge. Yes. And yes, you really <laughs> should have. However, but don't worry. They do keep Ian Brady alive when he wants to die. They do. It's great. So he said, a very long time in prison, mm. and the judge called Ian Brady wicked beyond belief and stated that he didn't see any real possibility of reforming Ian. He was just pure evil. Mm-hmm. He didn't feel this way about Myra, which again, I'm kind of like, Mm-hmm. Okay. But at the time, there's more okay. empathy for women because it's harder to, it is more unusual for women to have the deviance mm-hmm. and be as depraved as this. Yep. And so he saw Myra as a quiet, controlled, impassive witness who lied remorselessly. That's how he described No, she her. was a vicious fucking murderer that got off on it as much as her freaking candlestick up the ass loving Ian Brady. Mm-hmm. We did t- touch on those candlesticks. We touched them. I wish we had. <laughs> I need a brain bath just from the- <laughs> Yep, just from knowing about their sex yes. life. You do you, guys. Yeah. I don't... If you're into candlesticks, that's cool. But please don't tell me about it. Yeah. yeah. Or anyone. Keep that Ever. to yourself. <laughs> okay. And your lovers. Consensual. Adults only. <laughs> yes. <laughs> to throw that out there too. Oh, the aftermath. Let's so hear sentence. it. Let's hear it. Um, so after the trial, I I want to make it clear that life in prison was not easy for these two. Um, they were both targets by other inmates, and they were both attacked violently several times. Um, to which so, I say, awesome, nice job, yes. inmates. Well done. Bask in a little bit of of justice served. Because, Uh (laughs) this part also floored me, Um, despite the horrific crimes that they committed, they were allowed to write each other for years. I know. So they can, I think it was about three Uh or so years that they were allowed to write back and forth and exchange letters. Uh So they were still, you know, connected to each other and stomach turning (laughs) information that... They had a code system. Yes, they did. Just like they did for everything else. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure how they cracked the code or how, you know, they must have been in tune to each other's sick Yeah, well, they had it well planned and rehearsed because they had plenty of time, too. And they probably did. They probably Mm -hmm. talked about a code maybe even before Before, they went to prison. Just in case they got caught. Yeah. Ian was very prepared like that. Mm -hmm. But you're you're probably not doing something. Because the code was pretty intricate. It was. So every fifth. Letter. It was like one of those, and then they'd have to piece together. Yeah. If yeah. there was a code in it, they'd underline the the date. Yes. I think. So most of these coded messages 
were talking about harming children. My impression is that Myra would write these so Ian could get basically his sick jolliest off. She was still finding a way to pleasure him Mm -hmm. in prison. Yep. Yep. That went on for quite some time uh, between the two of them. You can write your mans a sexy letter to, you know, spice things up. But my I, God. I feel like Dorothea and these two have ruined good old fashioned letters. <laughs> I know. How sure. dare them. So eventually, Ian and Myra's love affair, it goes a little sour. It does. It mm-hmm. does. And hit me with how it does, because I know how it does. So I, I don't have a lot of details about it other okay. than I might Myra. Be able to fill some in for Okay, you. you can fill in whatever I don't have. Myra ends up dumping Ian. She does. She's like, I'm done with you. Don't write me again. Yeah. And he doesn't. And he doesn't. He does not. Because he's not going to grovel. Mm-hmm. It's like, eh, yeah, okay, probably wasn't going to work. We're locked up for life anyway. So around that time, Myra starts to have various love affairs yes. within the prison. With women. With, mm-hmm. yep, she had quite a Which few. Which she was bisexual, so, okay. Yeah. Yep, they both were. Um, so she had quite a few little rendezvous. My understanding is that they didn't communicate. Ian and Myra didn't communicate after that via letter. No. Ever again. Yes, correct. They were done. So around 1971 to 1973, Myra actually falls madly in love with one of the female guards mm-hmm. at the prison. And She's very charming. Sparks are flying. Mm-hmm. Emotions are running high. And what did do you touch upon the fact that they let her out to look at art and stuff? Oh, let's touch I on that. I wanted to vomit when I read that. I did throw up a little bit oh. in my mouth when I read that. So yes, she was allowed to go like walk with the warden. So when I said that they had it bad, like there were periods of time where Myra was um, actually allowed to do things and yeah that she shouldn't have been allowed to yeah. because she had a charming personality I believe she even got some kind of i don't know if it was a degree or something but some kind of yes. like training i don't know what it was but i saw the graduation picture mm-hmm. that she was able yep, to she did mm-hmm. and so that was around the time too where she was trying to establish that she was this changed woman and she was so yes. well she found god again mm-hmm. you know as they all do in prison Mm-hmm. So going back to the love affair with the, the prison guard, mm-hmm. they actually had planned an escape together. Yes, because they um, want to be together yeah. forever. Love has no boundaries. Yeah. So they were going to get Myra out of there. However, they got caught. <gasps> so um, I believe that they extended her prison sentence quite a bit after that. Um, not that it made a difference because she that, was already in there, but yeah. Yeah. They got busted and I'm assuming the guard got fired. The guard got five years. Oh, did she? Yeah. I didn't see that. Yeah. The guard, from my understanding, got five years for that. Which I want to say, was it worth it? Was it worth it to fall in love with a child murdering ugly ass? I mean, I get it. She, you know, looks like a man. Maybe the woman was bisexual. I was like, I don't know. Was it worth it? Mm-hmm. And I think the only reason that they stopped letting her go and, like, look at artwork and be seen around town is because somebody saw her out and was like, what the fuck? Why is Myra Hindley? They freaked out and thought she escaped. Mm-hmm. So then they called they the police it. and were reporting it, which good for them. Amen. They were the prison was probably like, yeah, we maybe shouldn't let this horrific human right. being out to I do. Mean, and like, why? How was that not thought of before? Give me a break. With as much media as atten- attention as that trial got, and how the, hated the she was, and- who thought that that would be okay? That we can let her. Just in case she was an abused, battered woman instead of the hideous. That, to me, says people were making decisions that never listened to that tape of Leslie Ann Downing. I agree. 
<laughs> I do. I, I I was beside myself when I had read that. So back to Ian for just a minute. Yes. If you remember, he was convicted for only three right. murders at the time. Almost 20 years later, he finally did indicate that he's responsible for the deaths of Keith Bennett and Pauline mm-hmm. Reed, who we had mm-hmm. talked about in part one. So after the confession, the, the police did feel compelled to start digging at the moors again. Mm-hmm. Um, to see if they could locate the bodies. They were able to find the body of Pauline Reed. However, they did not find Keith's body. And he knows Um, 100% where Keith is at. mm -hmm. Yes, I believe that. Because of how much they went back to those graves and took photographs, he Mm -hmm. knows. And he made a random statement like, oh, I can't believe they haven't found him because Keith was wearing that leather jacket with the zipper. I can't believe a metal detector detector, didn't find him yet. He loves having the power. That That's just one more way that he could get power and, and keep it, was mm-hmm. keeping Keith to himself. So this part is so heartbreaking to me. Um, Keith Bennett's mother got word of the confession from Ian in November of 1986, after the police were able to uncover Pauline's body. Keith Bennett's mother writes a letter to Myra mm-hmm. in prison, and she is pleading with her to confess mm-hmm. where the body is located. And Keith's mom was so desperate to find her son's body. I got pulled down that rabbit hole oh, of yeah. reading a lot of different articles. She spent her the rest of her life she did. trying to, to <sighs> beg I know. and find him and beg them to just reveal where he was. Yep. She wanted nothing more than to give him a proper burial. Right. And there was even an article that she talked about in detail, the funeral she wanted to give and what she Aww. wanted. and. So it just, that really, that really ripped my heart out. Apparently at the time, Myra seemed to be moved by this letter that Keith's mother had written. Mm -hmm. So she wouldn't admit to any involvement with the killings. Of course not. However, she agreed to go look at old photographs and try to... I believe she wrote her back and was like, I'll do anything that I can to work with the police to help locate your son's body and Mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So she was... You know, moved and she was going to go help look and and, and agree. But to... she was just fucking reliving it. That's she saw her opportunity to be able to go back out and relive everything. Mm-hmm. So they end up taking Myra out oh, to the moors to I help look, and they get there and it's just a total shit show. Mm-hmm. Um, she is like, mm, I'm not really sure. I you know I feel uh, so much pressure from the media because the media was going crazy, mm-hmm. you know, with the, with her being out at the moors. She was of no help. Of course and, not. And it became very obvious this was a, a, pub, a, right. a media stunt. And she yeah. got out for a little while mm-hmm. of herself. Yep. She got to go back to the moors yep. where they Her had so place. many memories. And so it was soon realized that this was just for her to get out, have some publicity and it was a total flop and so they did not find the body at that time so there was another article about uh keith's mother has her name was winnie and Mm -hmm. she had winnie i know i know she had cancer and and she was very ill at the time It, it was kind of like her last ditch effort to hope that they could find Keith because mm-hmm. she knew she was dying. Before she passed, mm-hmm. yeah. I want to say it was about 2012 when yeah. when the article came out. So there was some report of carbon vapors in the area, um, and I don't understand completely what that means, but that they could be areas of interest where there would be 
possibly bodies located. Oh, okay, right. So that was kind of like her last hope that she mm-hmm. could find Keith before she died. But unfortunately, it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And his mother passed away in August of 2012, and she never was able to find yeah. her son. Myra remained in a state of victim mentality the entire time that she was in prison. She later went to those confessions that... I quote confessions <laughs> that Ian had raped her, had forced her right. um, to do these things, abused her the, the whole time. These were in correlation with her many attempts to get out on parole. Yes. And she made various attempts to show she had been re- reestablished. Right. Um, that she was a She's better not woman. The same person. Mm-hmm. She's been rehabilitated in prison. Yep. She was the victim. Mm-hmm. She needed. Wasn't her letter like 30,000 words long? that she originally wrote to the parole board about how different she was yes. and better she was now and yes. what a victim she was. Yes. Gross. During this time, as Myra is attempting numerous times to get out on parole, Leslie and Downey's mother was in the family, yes. I should say. Um, they were committed to keeping disputing. her there. Yes. Yep. Yep, they were campaigning. Again, they're the ones that had to listen to that horrific audio tape mm-hmm. of the last 16 minutes of her life. I believe Leslie's mom actually wanted the recording released to show, like, this bitch should not yep. be out. At one point, uh, she did consider it, and the police were like, no, it's, it's too, too traumatizing. We and I can't. agree. It's, yeah. You know, I, I haven't heard it, but I, I... Just reading the transcripts is enough to know, oh, holy shit, mm-hmm. I don't want to hear that. So with all of this protesting going on to Myra getting out, Myra decides to write Leslie's mother a letter saying that she was very hurt that the family would call her cruel and evil and really making the letter about herself. How like, I'm so dare hurt. you, you fungus. Mm-hmm. She is a fungus. Oh my God. She's like a big toenail fungus. That uh, you can't shake. Like a yeasty. Yes. <laughs> pussy. <laughs> Horrible. You can't get your shoe on because Fungus your toe infection. is so swollen. Yeah. Fungus infection. Like get the, the Lotrimin. Just lop and, that bitch off because yeah. there's no coming back from it. That's that's what she is. Ugh. Again, that victim mentality. Yeah. Why are you doing this to me? And, and so the intention of that letter was to hopefully persuade the family to stop campaigning against her right fuck off fuck face it did not work Mm -mm. for me that would fuel my fire more Mm -hmm. and how dare you write oh oh absolutely and and leslie's mother had no compassion for myra like she did not she hated her rightfully so Mm -hmm. leslie's parents actually campaigned until they died yeah they campaigned their whole life to make sure that Myra did not get out yep. on parole. And it worked because she did not. Nope. Um, they, nope, she died in there. Mm-hmm. The family was determined that she die in prison. They did accomplish that. Um, Myra died on November 15th, 2002 of bronchial pneumonia in a UK hospital. How old was she? She was 60, I believe. And I apologize, I didn't no, her yeah, because she didn't. I mean, she didn't. She live, didn't have like she didn't life. have a long life that I I can't remember exactly how old she was, and she had like significant health problems in uh, prison. Like at one point, she had a heart attack. She had you can look it up, but she had all kinds of different mm-hmm. random ass health issues go on. She wasn't well mm-hmm. the whole time, which is 
awesome. And like I said, there's so much information on this case. I know, right? We did have to cut some out because we like to only keep you guys about an hour or so. Yeah. And be respectful of your time and for each episode. So we did have to cut some stuff out. Plus, I feel like a part three or four to this case, it's just painful. uh, Yeah, I had to get it. We had to be done with it. I'm just done with them. Yes. Do you talk about Ian's health stuff? Yep, we're going to actually switch over to Ian. Okay, so Myra's dead. So Myra is dead. According to an article in The Sun, which is a UK news place, (laughs) it sounds like Ian Brady continued to be a piece of shit in prison. In the 70s, he went on one of his infamous hunger strikes. Yes. He does a a few of, of these. A lot of serial killers do hunger strikes because it is one of their only way of being able to get power. Mm -hmm. They have the power and control to either feed themselves or not feed themselves. It's the only thing that he can please himself with for power is to choose to not eat. Mm -hmm. Well, so with this one, it, it sounds like his goal was to get transferred to the prison's mental observation landing. And apparently he had access to teenage boys in that area. Oh my god, Um, I didn't know that. So apparently there was, teenage boys were being sent to, it's called Wormwood Scrubs Hospital, if they were having mental health issues, and somehow he had access to that area. Mm. So he did uh, take advantage and sexually assault the Oh my god, this is brand new information Mm -hmm. to me. Isn't that that sickening? It is, what the fuck? I know. That's the system failing right there. Oh, oh my God! Without a doubt, we had mentioned he he was abused and attacked quite a bit. Mm-hmm. He was he was a target, and if you've seen the pictures, he's not a large man. He's not so right. I'm sure defending was, himself would be a little more difficult. Yeah, he mm-hmm. was probably an easy target. Good, good. Mm-hmm. So around 1985, he was transferred to a psych ward, and he was also diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia. And there's a timeline of Ian Brady struggling with some pretty significant ma- mental health issues. Brady was a lifelong very heavy smoker. He ended up being di- diagnosed with chronic obstructive pulmonary disease. I have known someone to have this. It is, mm. It's a horrific, it's a long suffering disease. Oh gosh. Okay. Um, it slowly gets worse. Mm-hmm. So there's no minimizing that he suffered through okay. this, this disease. When it started to get bad, he went on a hunger strike Of course, because he wanted to die. He, he was did. miserable. He um, asked for death a lot. Mm-hmm. And I love that they never obliged. Mm-hmm. And he actually miserably lives a long time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he, he wanted to end his life. Yep. They were like, nay, no, nay. No. You, <laughs> nay, nay. Here's a feeding tube uh-huh. for you. And so he remained on that, that tube until his last days. It, it does say that they took it out on his like last couple days and he was gasping for air mm-hmm. and so his death was not a peaceful one yeah and it wasn't swift and, and so he wrote about his feeding tubes anytime that he went on a hunger strike they'd let him go days and days without eating but then they would put a feeding tube in and they would run it really slowly because usually it takes about like four hours they would draw it out for like an 11 hour feeding where he's awake and conscious with this tube all the way down his throat this like wooden paddle thing on his mouth that held like held, helped hold him down with a hole in the center of it and the tube went through the hole and down his throat and into his stomach to keep That's him. That's a lot of feeding. It really is. But it was like just this slow drip to keep him alive. Uh-huh. And every time that he went on a hunger strike, that's what they would do to him. And yeah. Which, so he got his. Fantastic. He, yeah, he Nice suffered. and slow as it needed to be. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I was most appalled about reading with, with his death, with his last days, 
he um, had one last request that his ashes be spread. I remember this. Around the graves at the moors mm-hmm. where the children were buried. And Fucking so thank newborn infant Jesus that <laughs> baby Jesus in your sweet Jesus, golden diaper. Yes. <laughs> diaper of gold. Yes. That the judge was like, hell no. He he banned this from happening. So this would be absolutely too damaging no. to the families yeah. to have they to have been that. through a fucking enough. Mm-hmm. Again, that did not happen. And Ian Brady died from chronic obstructive pulmonary disease on May 15th, 2017. Yeah, you guys, so this was, is not long it ago. It was not. He was still alive until 2017. Mm-hmm. And he was 79 yes. years old. He lived miserably the rest of his life from his 20s, mm-hmm. the rest of his life in prison and wanted to die that whole time. And we kept and, him alive. And he was kept alive. Because don't you think, and I just think it's so po- poetically justified because you know there were moments when those precious children begged for them to just let them go. Mm-hmm. And there were probably times where they just wanted to die if they weren't going to be let go. Mm-hmm. And they didn't give them that courtesy. So you, you sir, don't get, your courtesy don't get any courtesy. Good day, sir. Good yes. He had suffered. a long, unenjoyable life. Yes. And feel free to start a slow clap for that okay. if you so, so wish. Choose. Here it yeah. is. We gotta practice yes, that slow yes. <laughs> There we go. There, there we go. go. Yay. Sorry if we just blew out your eardrums. Yes. Or if somebody's gonna add us online because I can't believe you're clapping for the death of a man. Oh, no, no, no. Not a man, you guys. A monster. This is a monster who, who murdered five babies. I'm closing this lap. I'm so glad to be done Me with this Me too. Case. I'm so glad we're done with that case. I'm gonna delete everything off from my laptop because I don't even want their... What if their spirits are somehow tied with how many times we had to type their names? And I don't know. Blah, blah, We need some sage spray Do to we cleanse. Need, remember that one case where I gurgled my mouth? <laughs> I just feel like I want to physically gurgle again. We need to gurgle again. this case away. Away. So. Give me. We, that concludes this Moore's Murders case. All right. Ugh. And now I have a treasure. I'm ready. I've got my rubber ducky and my sponge. And I am ready for a brain bath. So I want to say that we have just been blessed to find a variety of burglars. For There's been a lot of funny burglar mm-hmm. stories, yeah. An abundance. And so I do have another one for you. Okay. Hit me with it. So I'm just going to read a little bit of the article because it's it's gold. Okay. It is gold. Okay. So it says, in Florida, there are violent people, naked people, poopers, and masturbators. Oh. But rarely is one man... The total package. Oh my gosh. So, when Tony. You've hooked, you've hooked yeah. me. Have I hooked you yeah. in? When Tony and LaDonna Land discovered naked carnival worker Gregory Matthew, Gregory Matthew Bruni on top of their roof, the night had just begun. Bruni, 21, allegedly assaulted Tony Land, trashed the couple's North Fort Myers home, and then defecated and masturbated inside of the house. At the same time? So. <laughs> How do you accomplish that? Let, let me read on a bit. Okay. Um, <laughs> the lands told the police that they were in their bedroom around 7 p.m. Monday when they heard a noise that sounded like thunder. So Tony went outside and he says he saw Bruni on top of the roof, completely naked. Bruni allegedly jumped down on top of land, 
reported oh. naked? Yeah. Naked. Oh, naked stranger jumping Penis off your roof? Fl- yeah. No! Flapping around. around. <laughs> no. No. Then, That's my worst nightmare. <laughs> Isn't it? It's horrifying. <laughs> That's not okay. Then knocked him over by hitting him in the shoulder. Then Lance says that Bruni ran into the house, pulled a big screen TV off the wall, and then spilled the contents of a vacuum onto the floor. Well, that's just vicious. Of all of the, like, revenge. Like, take that. Here's all the future dirt that was just picked up from the carpet. I'm putting it back onto the carpet. I will show you. So around this time, LaDonna grabs the gun, and he begins firing at the nude intruder. She missed, and the couple called 911. She said, I don't know who the hell he is. He's naked, and he ran into my damn house. Um, The Lance told authorities that after shots were fired, Bruni began masturbating in the living room before heading into their son's bedroom to rub some clothing on his face. I'm guessing oh, he was on something. Oh my god! Hold on. Shots are being fired at him in his first danger. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> danger! I must grab myself and start stroking. That's his first instinct? I'm scared, so I've got to masturbate this away? Apparently that must be his coping skill, because... Oh, he his immediately, poor mother. His yeah. poor mother. So when no. the deputies arrived, they attempted to control Bruni, and I guess he was like wildly flailing around. And they also discovered that Bruni had defecated on the floor in two spots with a no. mouth. No, that is much worse than the vacuum. <laughs> he started small with the vacuum, and then yes. he uh, escalated some quickly. Other, yes. <laughs> So, oh. there's your brain bath. Bruni was that charged was, that also. Was, a lot. was he? <laughs> with, for he masturbation, was, defecation, and burglary? You know, also, what's with rubbing clothes on the face? I, that's where I, I think he had to open on something. Oh, right? gosh. Maybe Isn't it was. Isn't that weird? Because he's just like. Maybe it was the designer know. bath salts. Like, those old, those good old those bath salts. Bath salts. So, he oh was charged with criminal mischief, battery, occupied burglary, and resisting arrest. I don't see anything about the nude uh, pooping and that might have been just all encompassed with the mischief. It, you were just yes. you were very very mischievous. Yeah. <laughs> we'll just with chalk it up to, to mischief and call it a day. But that is your brain bath for for the evening. Wow! I know that it's hey you some know, burglars make you pancakes, some decorate your house for Christmas, and others masturbate and defecate all at the same time on your carpet. I don't know which one I'm more horrified about, to be honest with you. Probably this one. (laughs) I was at a street corner in Kalamazoo once, though, just minding my own biz at a red light, and looked over, and there was a man on the corner masturbating, like, at (gasps) my, no, at my window, like it was something I would want to see. Oh, did he come up there, like? He was, I mean, he was very close to the passenger window, very proud of his little object in his hand, just a stroke in it, and, like, that was something that I would want to see on the regular. I'm not sure. And, you know, the light wow. turned green before I could take a Snapchat video and send it to you. Talk about your all-time regrets. <laughs> right. I'm it truly was, sorry. Well, actually, I don't know that I want to see it, but... It wasn't impressive. Um, I'm not really sure why he was very proud was of himself. Was he making eye contact with you? I couldn't see because my oh, car was God. sat low. Mm-hmm. And so it, like, cut off at his chest, you know, where the window oh, was. <laughs> yeah. That's so even worse. a faceless man. <laughs> Just with emotions this, with this of little like, baby bird in his hand, just a stroke in it. Yeah. Put your bird away, oh, sir. Right. Those are all in the day of work. 
But that's how that was. Anyway, well, we hope you guys keep listening. We promise not all of our cases will be quite as heavy as what we've covered in these last two episodes. But next week, we are going to be doing... I'm so excited. (laughs) Me too. Our theme for next week is Itty Bitty, Teeny Weeny, You're a Psychopathic Meanie episodes. And we are covering cases that were committed by shockingly small individuals. Yes. So stay tiny tuned. Tiny killers. Tiny killers. Mm-hmm. Stay tuned for that. And please check out our website. You can listen there anytime, crimecuriouspodcast.com. And you can actually subscribe at the bottom. Um, it's a free subscription to our email list that'll just notify you every time a new episode is released. You actually will get notified before like Spotify or wherever you're listening from notifies you because it does take a couple hours to upload to all of the other places. But if you are, um, it posts right to our website immediately. So you'll get that email and be the first to be able to listen. You can follow us on Instagram, crime.curious, Facebook, Crime Curious Podcast, and Twitter, Curious Crime. So until then, we hope you keep it curious and we hope you keep listening. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.